Hello everybody, I'm Hank Wilson and welcome to the Hidden History of Texas. This is episode 38, The Kiowa, Nomadic Warriors of the Plains. According to their traditions, the Kiowas originally lived at the mouths of the Yellowstone and Missouri Rivers in present-day Montana. As it is now, then it could have very cold winters and the ground covered by a deep layer of snow. Now, as hunter-gatherers, they primarily used a bow and arrow along with their only domesticated animal, the dog, which pulled their travois after being attached to it with poles that hooked to a harness. Now, close neighbors of the Kiowa were the Flatheads and several Athabascan tribes who lived to their north and west. Now, according to legend, the people had a quarrel over the udders of a doe, which were the spoils of a hunt. The group that won the delicacy headed to the southeast and went to live with friends, the crows. Those left behind, well, they were never heard of again. Now, the crows essentially helped change the Kiowas and made them much more mobile. They taught the Kiowas to ride horses and hunt buffalo, which was something they had never before been able to do. Now, there was some intermarriage with the crows, but they had much more in common with and joined together with the Kiowa Apaches. Now, the first time they were written about was in 1682 by René Robert Cavier Sieur de la Salle, who had knowledge of them from one uh, from a, a Pawnee slave boy at Fort St. Louis. That boy called them Maruts and Gataka. Now, when they were in the Yellowstone region in 1804, Lewis and Clark heard of them, but didn't meet them. They never got a chance to meet them. Now, moving out of the north and their previous mountainous homes, the Kiowas had taken the very first steps towards becoming a real part of the Plains culture by learning to ride horses. This enabled them to hunt buffalo on horseback, and it became their main foodstuff. Of course, not the horse, the buffalo. And, of course, with the horse came mobility, and they moved steadily towards the south. This mobility also turned the Kiowa into a completely nomadic lifestyle, which consisted of predation, that's raids, pillage, and warfare. They excelled at it until they became one of the most feared and hated of the Plains tribes. Now, part of their success was how they constantly had the largest number of horses of all the Plains Indians. Now, around the year 1790, the Kiowas made a lasting peace with the Comanches, and together they traded horses and captives east via the Wichitas and Tovayas to the French and English. In exchange, they received guns, ammunition, and metal for well, points and points for their arrows and vermilion for face paint. Now, in 1840, with the encouragement of trader and negotiator William Bent, the Kiowas, Kiowa Apaches, and Comanches joined with the Southern Cheyenne and Arapahoes at Bent's Fort on the Arkansas River and agreed to an intertribal peace that was never broken. Now, together... The five tribes in union created a formidable barrier that was able to prove an obstacle to those who wished to cross the southern plains. Now, finally, the U.S. sent the first dragoons to protect wagon trains on the Santa Fe Trail. 
Now, in later years, both the Second Dragoons and the Mounted Rifles made an effort to defend and protect the Southwest and Texas from Indian raids. Now, in the 1850s, the Second United States Cavalry sought to reduce the number of attacks on the frontier settlements, but like those before, they had little success. Now, most of the Plains tribes participated in what's called the Sundance Ceremony. Now, when a ceremony took place, the Kiowas traditionally camped in a circle, and each of the six bands, or sub-tribes, had its own part in the ritual. Now, as was common with many other tribes, the Kiowas had social levels. The highest rank were the Ande, the aristocrats, who were great warriors, important sub-chiefs, ten priests who owned, they were owning the medicine bundles, which were called the grandmother bundles, and the wealthy associated with war or religion. As with many of the tribes, and opposite of how it was for many in the Anglo-European culture, culture, wealth alone did not determine rank. The second rank, the Odigupa, consisted of smaller level subchiefs, medicine men who treated the ill and practiced magic, and people of limited property. Third rank, or Khan, K-A-A-N, were the poor people, which usually accounted for about half the tribe. Now, the Dapon were the misfits, crazy people, or those considered crazy. Rank was changeable up or down. One could get honors to reach high rank, but misdeeds or meanness could actually lower your rank. The Kiowa's main weapons were the bow and arrow, spear or lance, the tomahawk, usually made of metal, which also had a pipe at one end. Now, those were often used in trade. Knives, which were also used as tools, were made of chipped flint and obsidian. They also used flint saws, needles of flint or bone, hafted axes, and a wide scraper for cleaning hides, uh, a, a fist axe, and eyed bone needles. And they would often trade for steel needles when they had the opportunity. The men were warriors, warriors who protected the camp, and they were always on guard in case of any sudden or surprise attack. Now, while awake, they usually sat around and smoked, while simultaneously they watched and would get up and patrol, and they were good babysitters for the little children. The women did the menial work, tanning hides, drying strips of meat, cooking and preparing pemmican, that's dried meat, we call it jerky now, uh, with oil was stored in bags, sewing clothing, foraging for roots and fruits and nuts, and taking care of the dogs. Now, women owned the dogs and the dog travois. Now, setting up the teepee or dismantling it and packing, bedding, directing slaves and young children and moving the horses to pasture and caring for infants in the cradle boards. When it was necessary to move, the women could be ready to move in as few as 30 minutes. Children, puppies, and the ill were put on the travois with the gentle horses that the women used, okay? And those travoises, that is, were pulled by the gentle horses that the women used. The Kiowa had no clan system. They belonged to the same type of kinship system as the Cheyenne. Now, this system is generally referred to as the generation or classification type, where collateral and lineal relations are classed together. For instance, 
A mother was close to her son, but a father trained and pushed his son to prominence. Sons respected the father and the older men. Corporal punishment was not used. Boys could be shamed or ridiculed by their elders. The family depended upon a son to become a provider. Now, the Kiowas were noted for their raids in old Mexico and Texas. One such attack in 1871 was so intense that it became known around the country. On May 18th, a group of Indians attacked a wagon train belonging to a freighting contractor named Henry Warren. And it was traveling to, on the Butterfield Overland Mail Route. They killed the wagon master and six teamsters and allowed three to escape. As a result, two Kiowas, Santanta and Big Tree, were tried for murder. This was the first time that Indians were held accountable for murder in their raids and tried in a white man's court. While Santanta and Big Tree were initially condemned to death, their sentence was later commuted to life imprisonment. Two years after that, they were paroled by Governor Edmund J. Davis. Now, after his relief, Santanta in, in 1874 he joined the Second Battle of Adobe Walls against the Buffalo Hunters. Upon his capture, he was returned to prison for violating parole. It is said that in 1878, he died after attempting to escape by jumping from a second-story window. There have been raids and attacks that were far more serious than the attack on the wagon train, but that particular one was brought to the attention of President Ulysses S. Grant, the Army, and the country because General William T. Sherman, an Army general, was in the area on an inspection trip when it took place. It took the Army and an all-out effort by the military to finally place the Kiowas and their Confederates on the reservations. In 1875, the Lost Hostiles were brought into Fort Sill, and that was due to battles that destroyed their horses. When combined with the fact that Anglo buffalo hide hunters were destroying the buffaloes, their main food supply, this was devastating. The final straw was the enactment of the 1887 Dawes Severality Act in 1887, which destroyed the cohesiveness of the tribe. The act demanded that the Indian tribes be dissolved as legal entities and it split up their traditional tribal lands among the individuals. Each adult in a family group was granted 160 acres to each family head, and each single adult received 80 acres. In 1888, an Indian agency reported there were only about 1,151 Kiowas left. Now, the Kiowas finally turned to assimilation and successfully made the transition in white culture, often within a single generation. As a people who were independent, highly intelligent, they desired that their children would be educated in both English and a new way of living. Many of their descendants now live in Oklahoma, primarily around Anadarko, Fort Cobb, Mountain View, and Carnegie. Uh, Carnegie. Now, how have the Kiowa adapted? How well have they adapted? <laughs> You're going to find Kiowas succeeding as ranchers, teachers, farmers, the military, and the arts. In fact, N. Scott Normandy, a Kiowa, won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in his 1968 book, House Made of Dawn. 
it is estimated that today there are around 21,000 Kiowas. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Please subscribe to the podcast. I try to keep posting new episodes. Sometimes, though, life gets in the way and there's a gap, a big gap between. Not too long, though. And hey, remember, if you want more information on Texas history, which is where I get 99.9% of my information, visit the Texas State Historical Association, Texas State Historical Association. I also have three audiobooks on the hidden history of Texas, one which deals from the 1500s to about 1820, one 1820s to 1830s, and the latest release, 1830 to 1836, the Texas Revolution period. You can find the books pretty much wherever you download or listen to audiobooks. Just do a search for The Hidden History of Texas by Hank Wilson, and they'll pop right up. You can listen to links to the stores are on my publisher's website, ashbynavis.com, or my website, arctexas, A-R-C-T-X dot O-R-G, A-R-C-T-X dot O-R-G. Check it out if you get a chance. I'd appreciate it. Well, I'll talk to you all later. And again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you down the trail. Bye-bye, folks.